Big pun. Oh yeah. He ain't kidding. He crushed a lot. Too bad he died young. His career heart problems. I wonder why. What? <laughs> well, I mean, I hate to, I hate to say because it it's so wrong, but the only thing crushing about him was the chest pain that he had when he had that massive heart attack. That's it's sad, man. Like, as yeah. you can see, though, like the guy is huge. Like, yeah. At what point? It's funny, like it came up just in a family conversation. Just uh, we were talking about what are the topics you and I are going to get to tonight, but yep. just talking about people that are overweight. And this was completely not even on purpose, actually, now that I'm watching this video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was without thought, but like conversation segue to like my 600 pound life. Yeah. Where do you, at what point do you just say like, you know what, I need to eat a couple salads. And not only that, but like, you have to sustain that 600 pounds. Like, it's not like it's there and now you never have to eat again. Like, you have to keep that going. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just, I, I, I mean, I mean, oh, you know, when people talk about obesity, it's like, I for me, there there's two, there's two classifications of obesity as far as I'm concerned. There's there's the the people that are overweight like and and that's and that's also a controversial definition in terms of like overweight or obese and all that other stuff and and then so there's there's for me that there's that classification then there's people that are morbidly obese that are just gigantic where like you know their their lives are literally impaired like when you talk about like the, my 600 pound life that those are people that are obviously morbidly obese where they could barely fucking move out of their own house yet they're able to consume like 5000 calories a day i look where the hell do they get the money really to get buy all this food out. like look l- let me let me be uh, very i was going to say how do you get out to go buy the food but then you know you have like instacart peapod yeah but like even those people that were you know like years ago where this wasn't even where you didn't have those types of things. Maybe they just got takeout all the time. I have no idea, but I mean, good God, like at what point do you say something, there's something wrong with me <laughs> I need to address it. But I mean, and, and but that's the thing. It's more than just people who overeat. It's a cycle. It's typically tacked down with the psychological issue. So in the same way that, you know, some people do heroin, some people gamble, um some people do other addicting things i mean food can certainly be addicting as well in fact i mean sugar is probably more addicting than cocaine in fact that was proven uh, in an experiment years ago with monkeys yeah but so. 600 pounds i mean i could see like you get to like 300 and you're like all right <laughs> But that's another 300 on top of that. I'm 230. So that's like I'm 235. That's two. That's two. That's more than, yeah, it's more it's than like, two. Yeah, me and you, plus like a, you know, a, a, a middle schooler that's <laughs> <laughs> on top of us. <laughs> me, you, and your two, two midgets, your two uh, ninjas. Yeah, my two, my two ninja kids. But you know, just out the gate, we we had our first lesson already in dedication. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yep yeah. my uh, 
yeah, my my oldest son at the tournament, he's kind of getting bored. He's like, Daddy, I want to go home. I want to go play. I'm like, what's more important for you to play with your toys or for you to be at this tournament? And then he finally, he won two medals and he came to me. He's like, Daddy, he's like, it's more important to be at the tournament. I'm like, yeah, you're damn right it is. <laughs> yeah, good for him, man. Yeah. It's cool watching him. Uh, the older one we got, she's just doing, uh, she does Taekwondo. Yeah. Not right now. It was just too much for band and, and everything else. Just got a yeah. But it's cool to watch him, you know, yeah. little, little ninjas. Yeah, I just got to cool. teach him a little bit on how to spar a little better. They're, they're yeah. a little timid. Well, yeah. I mean, they're anyway. only five and six, so I really shouldn't be encouraging I'm sure them. They do enough, I'm sure they do enough sparring with each other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Basil Hayden today. This should be the end of it. I think this is probably going to be the last glass I get out of this bottle. Yeah, me too. I think I got one, maybe, or I got two, maybe three more servings out of this one. It's like one strong serving. What kind of week did you have, sir? This could be one. <laughs> Costco size serving of Basil Hayden's. <laughs> I have mine as well. Yeah, that's it. That's it. It's not too bad, actually. The concave at the bottom of the bottle, actually. Yeah, it makes it deceiving in terms of how much you got left. Yeah, and there's a giant iceberg in there. I got a couple couple icebergs. Well, small. Salute. Salute, my friend. Mm. I hate Yummy. I hate that it's over, but mm-hmm. I wonder what you're going to get next. Oh, yeah. But it's funny. So, you know, might as well get right into it. The conversation, you know, overweight, obesity is obviously a huge topic in, in today's society. America yep. collectively has some of the fattest motherfuckers walking around day to day. Um, in fact, that's like the, the the stereotype of Americans, right? Overweight. Yeah. Like in, in other countries, that's the way they view Americans. So yeah. what do we also like in America? We like shortcuts. So of course, and it, uh, one of the newer medications that's been released recently to combat type two diabetes as far as, you know, overweight, getting people back down to healthy fighting weight, Ozempic. It's a, it's a what is it, a semaglutide? Semaglutide. Semaglutide. Yep. Okay. Do you yep. deal with these? Uh, do you ever really? No, I don't. I mean, uh, even in hospital settings, you wouldn't see things like this given to patients with, with type 2 diabetes. Um, there is an oral form of it. It's called rebelsis. I know I've heard of that one. Recently, I see ads for both of them on TV. Um, and but they both work the same way, just the, how they're administered and how how frequently you have to give them um, <clears throat> is really the difference. But I mean, for me, I, I deal since I'm, I'm in infectious diseases, I, I never came across these, to be honest, because I only dealt with patients who had severe infections. Yeah, the only reason I ended up hearing about it is because I guess what's happening is you know, like I said, it's a medication that's supposed to be prescribed to for people with type two diabetes. And what's happening is because it works as far as being a, a weight loss drug. I mean, what it does is I guess it, it balances out something with your, your blood sugar, um, mm-hmm. kind of levels it out. So your body, I guess your body, when blood sugar gets low, it signals that you're hungry. So right. Yeah. Doctor. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> well, it, 
Yes. It, so basically, it tricks your body into thinking that you don't need any sustenance. Exactly. So you basically eat less. That that's essentially how it works. But um, the the thing with 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 blood sugar causing causing hunger, it's it's not necessarily how low your blood sugar is. It's more so how quickly it drops. So it's it's almost like your it's a it's a prehistoric mechanism of your body in terms of being able to gorge on calories when you can, when when it's available to you, so that you can store this energy for periods of starvation or periods of fasting. Um, and the reason why I mention that is that that's that's how our bodies work. So we're you know, we may be in modern times, we have technology, we have the internet, we have uh, social media, we can fly from one country to another in a matter of hours and all that other stuff. Um, but the thing that's still stuck in prehistoric times is our metabolism and how our, how our body works. Now, the human body is pretty fucking amazing, to be quite honest, as is any multicellular organism that lives on this earth in terms of how it functions. But but what people have to realize is that, you know, human beings in our modern form, we've been walking the earth for maybe a couple hundred thousand years. And before that, even our earliest prehistoric ancestors maybe were on earth about seven million years ago. Um, we only started agriculture. So like, you know, basically moved away from the hunter gatherer stage of humanity to being more of an agrarian society only about 10,000 years ago. So, you know, from 7 million years down to 10,000 years ago, it's a relatively short period of time. And our ability to actually, you know, have refrigeration to store food so it wouldn't go bad, um, industrial farming, the availability of food, like an abundance of food, has only really been around maybe the past 100 years. So again, it's like we we have this these prehistoric mechanisms for dealing with with starvation and with feeding and all that other stuff. Yet we live in a modern society where we don't really need those mechanisms anymore because food is abundant everywhere. So we don't need to gorge on it. But the problem is, is that we still do. <laughs> Clearly, because we have six hundred pound life contestants. And and the 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 quality of the calories that we're taking really causes us to gorge more. So and I, and I I blame carbohydrates for this. I know a lot of people are oh, you need carbohydrates. You really don't, to be honest. You don't need any starches in your diet. Um, you can easily and especially with being relatively sedentary, you could get away with protein, fat, and just you know fibrous fruits and vegetables. To be quite honest. Um, so unfortunately when people gorge on the wrong foods, especially, you know, shitty processed foods or fast foods, you, you tend to put on weight very, very easily. And unfortunately think, over time that can certainly lead to things like diabetes. I think you did something that I did years ago that eat, eat right for your body type. Did you yeah. take that as well? Yeah. I remember that. So yeah. basically I think you remember we were both warriors and mm -hmm. basically it would be a diet that was. It made sense too. I mean, your, you know, your ethnicity, Italian, you know, mm -hmm. and a lot of the foods that both of us were kind of encouraged to eat were basically native of like the Mediterranean, that area, yeah. something that's more abundant. Yep. Red meat, there's pretty much stay away from that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the 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 unfortunate thing with this with that particular diet is that it hasn't really panned out in terms of large clinical trials. But then again, there's really no diet that has been studied in that manner. 
No, but uh, I will Louisville say, can... when you did it, did you stick with it? I tried to, but I, I mean, it basically said that the only real terrestrial meat I can eat is like turkey, which didn't really <laughs> didn't really jive with me because you it's get sick of turkey very quickly. Yeah. yeah. So, but I I think that the the lesson that I took away from that is that it's an, and and you could say this with almost everybody, but I think with especially people like you and I with an, with a type A blood type. Um, probably makes sense to stick to a, a, a diet that's high in, in vegetables. So a mostly vegetarian diet uh, with with meat speckled in there, to be honest. Yeah, I remember when I, I took the, the test initially, it was at a time where a lot of people were talking about doing detoxes and such. Mm-hmm. So I had asked, basically it was a naturopath that, that you and I both shared essentially, yeah. and uh, asked him about it because I think if anybody would know something about, you know, keeping it clean. That would be the guy. And I remember his reaction was just like, you, you don't need to do a detox if you just start eating more specifically towards your body type. Yeah. So basically what it was, was, you know, he did all these, these tests and, and I stuck with it. I, mm-hmm. I pretty much lived. If I went grocery shopping, I took that, well, I didn't take that binder with me, but you know, I kind of made a list out of what was beneficial mm-hmm. and, you know, basically eliminated red meat from my diet. Yeah, and I did that for some time. I lost weight. I was big into biking at the time, so mm-hmm. I definitely felt stronger. Um, like I said, I stuck with it, and then after close to a year, I would say, um, and then I, I grew up. I was a meat and potatoes kid, always mm-hmm. steak at least once a week. Yeah, um, same thing with then, us. <laughs> yeah, and then I reintroduced that to my dad because God damn it, steaks are good, and I missed them. And I forgot how good they were. <laughs> that thing was so good. But my God, after I reintroduced that to my diet, yeah, it was it was mayhem. I mean, my stomach, like just, and it's probably just because it was absent for so long, or it was just like something where I was just so adapted to while I was eating yeah. it growing up, you know, like it. But yeah, it was not good. It yeah, well, even I, now, even now, and I, I don't, I didn't completely remove it from my diet, but it's something that I don't eat quite as much, just because I know how my body's going to react to it. Yeah, I mean, we don't, we don't eat a. I mean, we do have some animal protein just about every night, uh, maybe a couple exceptions here and there, but it, like we don't overdo it. It's not like I'm eating two steaks or something like that. I'm, you know, my so I, I would love it, to. Yeah, I, you know, I yes, I it tastes good, but as far as I'm concerned. I've noticed with me, if if I eat a lot of fat in one setting, it really does a number on my digestive system. Um, if I eat too much 100%. starch, if I eat too much starch too, I get bloated. Yep. Now, I do okay with rice and potatoes, but I don't do well with things like pasta or things made out of flour, which seems counterintuitive considering I'm Italian. You figure that that's like that, that's the a staple of my diet, but realistically i just don't do well with those <clears throat> with those types of foods so for me i mean sticking to a diet like that like the like you know for a blood eight or type a blood type or something similar to a mediterranean diet is really from a digestive standpoint is when i feel best it's a lot more friendly it is yeah it is yep and there's and there's a lot of there's a lot of data suggesting now that um in order to to optimize gut bacteria, which is a huge thing in medicine right now and has been for probably the past 10 years, 
um, in order to, to have the right bacteria in your gut, to have the right diversity of bacteria in your gut to help you digest food and everything else, you really should be feeding them a lot of, a lot of fiber uh, to help them ferment that, to produce substances that your body absorbs and uses almost kind of like neurotransmitters for things like depression, anxiety, all the way to like different antibiotics that, that these bacteria are producing that you absorb into your bloodstream to help fight off other, other bacterial infections. It's funny so. how people forget about that aspect of like depression always comes up, right? But too little is paid attention. I mean, until you're getting professionally treated, I think. Mm -hmm. But the discussion doesn't really go towards like your diet. You know what I mean? But there's a reason why it should. It, it should. And it, it, once in a while with those indulgences, that's why you have terms like comfort food, right? Because yeah. they taste so good and make you so happy. Not the best things for you, but. Too much of yeah. that, you'll end up on six or five in life. Or heroin. Or, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, and, but we went it, off it, the rails with that one. Well, no, it, it sounds funny, but realistically, it's the same thing. Because the reason why people eat comfort foods is because they eat them at times when they feel like shit, mm -hmm. like psychologically speaking. But the thing is that comfort foods, things that are high in fat, high in carbohydrates, the things that we keep going back to, Notice you keep going back to kind of like heroin. You keep going back to heroin because it almost becomes an addiction. And the reason why is that it it, it temporarily increases your dopamine levels mm -hmm. in your in in your in your in your um, central right. nervous system. Yeah. And but then you get that dopamine crash, and that's when you kind of go into quote unquote withdrawal. And that's when people keep going back to the same things. Unfortunately, your body doesn't give a shit and say, "Well, I got all these calories. I got to do something with them, so it's going to store them." It's going to store them in your liver, in your adipose tissue, everywhere. And that's when you start getting into serious health problems. So I, I know we kind of went off the beaten path there. And if you wanted to talk about was <laughs> no, that. No, that's fine. No, no, no. This is what we do. And we could bring it back to it. I mean, basically, the reason I bring it up is because, you know, it's something that's used. And we do use medications very quiet, you know, very often off-label. Um, mm -hmm. It's not uncommon. But no. something like this, when it becomes absorbed kind of by the vanity industry it gets away from what it's supposed to be for but the thing is is now you're seeing people that need these medications or i, I wouldn't really call it a necessary medication uh -huh. i mean we survived it before it existed i don't even think we started hearing about it until maybe the past four years or so but yeah. the availability of it is pretty much robbed from people that could really have major health benefits from it they it, but, then you're seeing Hollywood celebrities are basically the ones that are kind of fueling the the, the viral uh, force that this stuff has become. You're seeing people, I mean, it was rumored that Kim Kardashian was taking it prior to going to the, the Met Gala and losing 15 pounds. She's credited for that. Even Elon Musk, he's been basically wide open about it. Yeah. Um, He's lost a significant amount of weight and people asking him in on Twitter, which he's quite, uh, quite the prominent force, but he was saying that he did it by fasting and also Wigovi. Wigovi is also a chronic weight management for adults with at least yep. one weight related condition. So it's high blood pressure, type two diabetes. So, I mean, you are seeing that people are using it off label for, I mean, weight loss, but it, it makes you, it makes you wonder. Right. Like somebody who was Elon Musk overweight. Yeah. I mean, 
who knows if he's diabetic. I don't have access to his medical information. Um, Kim Kardashian. I mean, there's a list of, if you dive into this, this article that I shared with you, there's quite a few names that are thrown out there, perspective, possibly taking it. Uh-huh. But it's funny how like some medications, like it's okay if you use it to like enhance yourself, you know, like you could, in, you could take medicate, you, you could take Ozampic to not necessarily deal with diabetes, but to help make yourself a better, you know, take you down a few pounds. Yeah. You have medications like Adderall, but you can't use it unless you're, for, you're, you're basically all these parameters that what I'm getting at is that like, you can't use anything to make yourself like superior, right? Like the, you can't take like, you're seeing it more so now with like testosterone replacement therapy, but mm-hmm. you know, for the long time, like there's no, you, it was frowned on for such a long time. And even now, yeah. like you still basically have to go to like a witch doctor to get a prescription for testosterone in most cases, it seems like, but um, well, there, there's a lot of primary care physicians that are actually paying a lot more attention to that. And I think, okay, yeah, yeah, because I think it's, it's really well known now that, I mean, obviously in men, as men begin to age, their growth hormone and testosterone levels decline literally from their thirties all the way, all the way down. And they never go back up again, unless you, you're working out on a regular basis. You do, you do, you know, you're lifting heavy weight. You're, you're basically forcing your body to produce more testosterone to try to account for putting on more muscle mass to account for that, that greater w- muscular work that you're doing on a daily basis. So that's, you know, unfortunately, as you, I mean, I'm a prime example of that. I, I met my wife 12 years ago, almost 12 years ago. And before I met her, I was working out four days a week in the gym and playing at least, you know, hockey at least twice a week. Obviously, you and I played on a regular basis, yeah, but I played tonight. Yeah, I haven't played since I had my hip surgery almost 10 years ago. Yeah. So in that time, I've put on about 30 <laughs> pounds and turned into a fat ass. And I'm sure my testosterone levels have dropped quite a bit since then. Um. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's a problem. I need to get my ass back in gear as I'm sitting here complaining about it and drinking bourbon. Yeah, um, but it's 10.30 at night. Would you otherwise be at the gym at 10.30 at night? I used to be. God bless you. But now that I have kids and, you know, a family uh, a family to take care of, <laughs> it's a little more difficult to try to do that at 10.30 at night. But anyway, so again, back to the whole thing with the testosterone placement, I think it's being it's being recognized more now as something important that it's almost like, it's almost like the, the, the male form of menopause. And I, you know, people laugh and they say menopause, but realistically, if you're, if you're a guy and your testosterone levels drop, you feel like shit. And it's not just physically, but even psychologically speaking too, you just, you have no motivation. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so a lot of it too, is to try to preserve muscle mass and bone density so you're less susceptible to to traumatic injuries like falls and all that other stuff as you get older. So if you can try to maintain good health and, and good strength, um, that should really help keep your testosterone levels at a normal level. But unfortunately, you know, as you get older, it drops. So I don't think there's any wrong with supplementing your, you know, supplementing yourself with some testosterone just to get your levels up to a normal range. Not something crazy, you know, with these, a lot of these meatheads do just try to pack on muscle for, you know, bodybuilding competitions that that's just, that's not really the right approach. 
of using it, but using it as a hormone replacement therapy therapeutically, I think is probably okay. Again, with the supervision of a doctor. Yeah. Otherwise you're running the risk of destroying your endocrine system. Exactly. And then what kind of depression are you dealing with? <clears throat> well, I, you know, I, I think, but I, I, the problem with, with steroid use back in the, I guess you could say 70s, 80s, and 90s, is that it, there is really no, there's no science behind, there's no logic. It was just people are just injecting themselves with God knows what and how often. There, It really wasn't well studied, to be honest. Not like it really is today, but I think there's a lot more knowledge behind it. I think people are a lot more educated on it now in terms of like saying, okay, you know, this is how often I should do it. This is how much I should do. I should probably weed myself off of it for a while, then maybe go back on it. I, I'll be honest. I think the whole thing with anabolic steroids was blown out of proportion. Um, I worked in a hospital for 10 years. I've never seen anybody admitted to a hospital because of, because of anabolic steroid use. Never. It's interesting what you said, though. The, the point that you made before, the, the basically kind of disclaimer on the dangers of steroids but you know you have already just just before you had mentioned that you know doctors are paying more attention to it and everything like that something that's coming to be a little bit more mainstream in medicine it seems like what you're saying now just to equate that to to the second part of what you were saying is that basically you know back in the 70s these serums that people were injecting before it kind of migrated into something that they paid more attention to in, in, in men is yeah. that, you know, now things are more formulated for humans because now we're realizing that some men need this, you yeah. know, whether back 20, you know, 20, 20 years ago is 20 fucking 2000. Never mind. We're going back into the seventies. So we're going back about 50 years. 50. Yeah. Exactly. God, sometimes you got to put a date on yourself, right? Sometimes you got to show yep. your age. So back then, I mean, people were injecting themselves with God knows what like horse hormones and mm -hmm. God knows what. And meanwhile, you know, you talk about Joel Rogan with ivermectin. People were actually yeah. injecting horse medications, <laughs> like legit made for it, you know, talking about things to use off label, but, but yeah, I, I think that's, that's a big thing. Um, yeah. It's just, I mean, it, and it, it, it's crazy too. Like with, with anabolic steroids, it was like, it was so frowned upon. It was almost like, it was almost worse than like somebody being on cocaine or something. And cocaine has zero therapeutic benefit whatsoever. Uh, it, it, I mean, they did use it for nasal surgeries and it's still, it still could be used, but there's other things that they use for that instead. And the whole, what they use it for is to try to restrict blood flow in your sinuses so you're not bleeding as much. Was it just constrict the capillaries? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, but it, it's just, it, 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 it kind of fell out of usage for that. But other than that, it, it's, it's absolutely useless. There's nothing else associated with it that makes it useful. Well, Heroin, to be honest. Right? The schedules of drugs? Yeah. Yeah. So, so cocaine is, is actually a schedule two narcotic. Mean, so meaning that it has some. Yeah, meaning that there's a very high high abuse potential, but there is some therapeutic benefit associated with it, or it has some therapeutic use. Whereas marijuana, on the other hand, is schedule one, meaning that it it it, it according to DEA standards is highly addictive, um, high abuse potential, but no therapeutic benefit whatsoever, despite the fact that 
There is plenty of data <laughs> be, from centuries. Medical marijuana cards to people. Exactly. exactly. That that's changing. Um, heroin, to be honest, heroin here in the United States is a Schedule One controlled substance because it's not really, it's not considered to be. It doesn't. It is not considered to have any sort of therapeutic benefit, and it's highly addictive and high abuse potential. But um, heroin is also known as diacetylmorphine, and it's kind of interesting because. If you look at the molecule of heroin, it looks like morphine, but it has two different chemical structures on it that make it able to pass your blood-brain barrier much easier than than morphine. Um, but once it gets into your brain, it gets metabolized. So it's it it, it works primary it works initially as heroin to give you the that that pain killing effect. But then once it gets metabolized, it gets metabolized into morphine. So now it works again as morphine. So it's it's a very interesting molecule, and in fact, in in the UK, it was used quite a bit therapeutically for for pain management. Very very effective pain management drug. Problem is, is that it's extremely extremely um, addictive. That makes sense, though, because what do you, we see a lot of you know, medications that kind of like oxycontin, right? A lot of people were taking oxycontin and then it yeah. gets too expensive and then what do they turn to? It's like, it's Heroin. basically, right. So, I mean, it's right in the same field, I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same class. It's, a, it's an opiate, uh, like fentanyl, same thing. Yeah, I know everybody's all up in arms about fentanyl, but that, that's the illegal fentanyl that's coming through. I mean, what but people don't realize is, is fentanyl has been around since the 1950s. Fentanyl is probably one of the cleanest narcotics you could take or one of the cleanest opiates you could take has no drug interactions um works effectively in all age groups whereas like morphine you really shouldn't be giving it to older people um the thing with fentanyl is that you have to be extremely careful with it just because it's so damn potent so you're not gonna if you've never been on an on any opiate and you get started on fentanyl you can easily you can easily die from it because it basically just suppresses your your ability to breathe. Um, so it bas- basically anesthetizes your brain from the outside in until it starts affecting your brainstem. And then you basically lose the voluntary or the involuntary ability to breathe. That, that That's how people die or that's how people overdose on opiates and die is that they're, they're, they basically suppress their their brain's own ability to breathe for them. That's crazy. It is basically but, it's paralyzing your lungs essentially, or diaphragm. It paraly- no, it, it, it paralyzes lungs, or is it affecting the diaphragm, or both? It neither. It affects your brainstem. So it's just so shutting you, down operations. Yeah. So your brainstem is basically the main power center to to basically to to. So what, when you when you go to sleep at night, you're not consciously breathing. Like you're not literally. Right. You, taking we learn a about that in elementary time. school. Exactly. Involuntary movements, right? Exactly. So your brainstem is responsible for for making for keeping you breathing. Okay. But if you anesthetize your brainstem, your brainstem doesn't know what the fuck to do anymore. It basically goes to sleep as well. While your lungs and your diaphragm go to sleep as well. And then you permanently go to sleep. It's crazy. I've actually seen people on death row requesting 
use of fentanyl. I think I've seen the air, the idea get thrown around. They're like, there's enough of it on our streets to take care of it. Because the, what was coming up is there was instances where there was people that were on death row about to get carried out, and the medications were becoming hard to come by. One because oh. vendors didn't want their medication associated with putting people down, right? What you're doing, oh. yeah, and yeah, but. So, but it's funny that that was kind of thrown around as, a, as an idea, fentanyl, something that's yeah. killing people anyway. She's using that to, to <clears throat> euthanize. Yeah, but what, what people don't realize that fentanyl is used every single day in the United States in, in hospitals. In hospitals, right. Yeah. yeah. It, it was, it's like, it's given out like water for ICU patients that are on ventilators. So when you go on a ventilator, two drugs you're going to get to sedate you and to, and to basically calm you down. So the machine can breathe for you is fentanyl and another drug called Versed or midazolam. So you get basically um, a benzodiazepine and midazolam, and then you get the opiate and fentanyl. And they're very, very effective at keeping people asleep while they're on a ventilator. So you don't remember anything and you don't feel anything. And hopefully wake back up at the end of it. Well, yeah, but, but that's the thing. You're in a controlled environment and you have a nurse on you one-on-one for 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. You know, so your your oxygen levels are being monitored, your heart rate's being monitored, your respiratory rate's being monitored, everything's being monitored. Whereas you try to get fentanyl on the street, you nothing is monitoring you. And that's how you can easily overdose on it. Next thing you know, getting hit with Narcan. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny to me that there's discussions on whether or not to put Narcan in an over-the-counter setting. Uh-huh. Why, why wouldn't you want to? I, that that's a great I mean, question. It's not like you're, uh, and, and the argument would become, well, you know, you're not encouraging, but basically the warning of overdosing kind of subsides, so people aren't as careful as maybe they would be. But I think that if they're in the, if they're running the risk of overdosing, like mm-hmm. that's not going to stop them one way or the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is what it it's is. Crazy. And, and kind of if you want to bring it full circle to what we first started talking about, so um, Narcan or one of the drugs like it. So there's two. So there's naltrexone and naloxone. I forgot which one is in Narcan. I think it's naltrexone. Um, but that in combination with another drug called bupropion are actually used in combination as a weight loss drug. Um, so they apparently the combination of them both work pretty well for for weight loss as well. See, see how we bring it all. We brought circle. it all back. I see what you did there. <laughs> see what you did. You know, you're talking about um, ventilators. You see, Tom Sizemore died. I did. Yeah. The reason I I realized because there was uh, an alert and it was talking about uh, family having to make a decision as to to unplug him, and that's basically yeah. what you're doing. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. He's he's certainly lived a life though. Oh yeah. <laughs> Speaking of opiates, was he with like Heidi Fleiss? He was married. Yeah. He I don't were they married or just partners i don't know who knows he was romantically involved for some time with heidi fleiss who was basically <laughs> a pimp right she was basically supplying hollywood celebrities with with prostitutes nice did she do time you would think right or she was just like eh, did she have some connection to bill clinton too no that would or be no. so shocking <laughs> epstein <laughs> heidi fleiss 
they got the, the they got the all the <laughs> it's like a department store of just bad behavior bad behavior just like i don't know <laughs> sex sex drugs and rock and roll yeah we, we covered it all already <laughs> yeah we did <laughs> so i any anything else you want to go into about uh about uh oh ozempic so one of the things i wanted to talk about that is one of the things i read about in the article that you had posted for us was um this thing called ozempic face and this kind of goes along with with any sort of rapid weight loss um I don't know about you, but I've seen a lot of people who have been, you know, have been traditionally or chronically overweight or obese, I guess you could say. And then all of a sudden they lose a lot of weight really fast. Yeah. You'll see that with people that have like gastric bypass or something. Yeah. And it just, it, it does not look good for them at all. And I know it's probably healthier all around. But you could tell it's like they get like more lanky in their limbs, their face, their neck, but yet like their their chest and their abdomen still has some mass to it. It just it looks very odd. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that people notice with Ozempic is that because you start you start losing fat, you lose it in all areas of your body. So it's not just in like your stomach. But a lot of places where people start losing weight first when they when they lose weight is in their face. I know that happened with me when I lost weight years ago, back in my early twenties. Um, I dropped about like like forty five pounds over about a two year period. Mm-hmm. But what happened with me is that I didn't just lose weight in my face, but I I bulked up with muscle everywhere else in my body. So it it looked it looked better. And I, I I'm not going to say I was some some sort of fucking yeah, but you felt better know. too. Well, exactly. Yeah, I did. I, I felt absolutely incredible. Um, but like with Ozempic, and, and that's that's a problem with with just cutting calories or just you know starving yourself, if you will, is that your body starts cannibalizing itself. So yes, you'll lose some fat, but you'll also lose quite a bit of muscle, and it's just it's not a good look at all. It, you don't look healthy. When you starve yourself. Now, if you if you really want to lose weight the right way and you want to keep it off, in fact, the first well, that's thing that's another you should... thing, right? Because what happens when you stop taking this medication? You just revert back. Now you're you feel like your body's just been depleted for so long, and then you're yeah. just gonna gorge yourself because you, you forgot what it was like to be hungry. Well, exactly. You, you what you do is that you you turn that that gorging mechanism back on. So you've suppressed it with a drug artificially where you don't eat as much and then and then you you stop taking it. You've taken that mechanism away altogether. <clears throat> so now your body just goes back to what it what it's known over the past, you know, few million years is to gorge when you get hungry. That's what it does. But that that's but that's what people don't realize that that's the wrong approach to take when it comes to any sort of weight loss. If you really want to lose weight and keep it off, I, you know, a lot of people say, oh, concentrate on diet first. Uh, yeah, uh, you sure you definitely want to make sure that you're eating a decent diet compared to, you know, eating or drinking Coke all day and yeah, eating fucking eat potato Reese's chips. peanut butter cups and not expect yeah, to drop pounds. Exactly. But if you go from a shitty diet to something, a good diet that's, you know, full of 
whole foods, fruits, vegetables, good animal protein, good quality fats, and all that other stuff, get processed shit out of your diet, yeah, you'll lose a little bit of weight. You'll feel better without a doubt. I'm sure internally your metabolism will be better. But for me, I think the the most important thing to permanent weight loss and overall good health, not just in terms of weight or metabolism, but joint health, bone health, psychological health, everything is weight training. You know, like people say, oh, you should work out. And, and a lot of people that want to lose weight think, oh, well, oh, yeah, I should just do cardio. cardio. Right. Yeah, I, I'm just going to run five miles a day and, and that'll, that'll solve all my problems. No, it's not actually. It won't. But, no, but people have this idea. Destroying the muscle that you're working to build. Yeah, and plus exactly. calories, muscles take calories to sustain. Exactly. And that, that's what people don't understand is that when you when you work out, you put on muscle mass. And this goes for ladies too. I know a lot of women are like, oh, I don't want to put on muscle. I don't want to bulk up. I'm going to end up looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, you're not. Your body, is not, your body is not built for that. Your body, <laughs> it, it, you as a woman will not put on more muscle than a man will. Let's put it that way. It's it, funny it's how not going to have misconception though, right? Exactly. But for me, I, I think it's, it's an excuse for women to say, oh, I don't want to do that. No, you should do that. You should get into weight training. You don't need to, you know, do powerlifting. Although right. some women, they get into it. They, they start feeling really fucking good. And it's an awesome thing to see these women that like they start working out with weights. They, they see the results that they're having and they're not overly dramatic. Like they're not going to go from, you know, this thin frail looking thing to like a power lifter. No, you're not going to, you're not going to turn into that. It's not going to happen, but they feel better altogether. Like, wow, I really like this. I, it, that almost become in an, in and of itself almost becomes a drug. They feel better doing it, and then they want to escalate. They start doing CrossFit. They actually start doing powerlifting competitions. Right. So, but but the thing is with that is that I know I'm, I keep going on with this, but as a woman, without taking any sort of anabolic steroids, you can powerlift as much as you want. You will never get you will never get bigger muscular wise than a guy of the same height an age that does the same amount of exercise as you. And the reason why is that a man produces significantly more testosterone than a woman does. And therefore that's going to be the, basically the, the, the tiebreaker, if you will, that's going to give the man significantly more advantage over a woman when it comes to powerlifting and, and lifting weight. I, I, I see women who do some sort who do powerlifting and, they're not overly bulky, like a lot of people think they would get to be. So, but bottom line is, if you really want to have good sustained weight loss in all around health, psychologically and physically, weight training is the way to go for everybody. Absolutely everybody. Yeah, it's funny. I always clown people with the whole CrossFit thing, but it's funny, you talk to people that do, especially women, you talk to women that do CrossFit and they they seem like they're generally overall happier people. Yeah. Or not, not I don't mean just like CrossFit per se. I mean, you know, boot camp, whatever, any kind of organized thing, because they're not doing just the, the, the pavement, you know, running, cycling, yeah. whatever, but hundred percent, man, hundred percent. I mean, because you know how people have the misconception that like you introduce weight 
weight training to to whatever their their fitness repertoire is that it's going to be like all of a sudden you know like you said they think they're going to be looking like the incredible hulk like like fucking ronnie coleman right like they're going to be pushing like their (laughs) one rep max like that's going to be their workout every day no but i mean you introduce something there's different ways to train to get different results i mean i'll be honest with you over the past year i've changed my my workout style because I used to just go and I used to be one of those people that just wanted to run be I was big into cycling like I mentioned earlier in the show like that that was what I liked I, that was my my goal and I there was just like you heard the term runner's high like that's real yeah, yeah. like it just I, like running and just doing endurance exercises I think it's because maybe like it's so hard like if you're doing distances that once you finish it, it feels like that, that you have that feeling of an accomplishment. It's mm-hmm. funny. It's just like you said about your, your, your son's going to the, do the, the, uh, the martial arts thing, right? After they got yeah. their medals, they felt like there was a form of accomplishment. When you decide to do like a, you know, I was, when I was into cycling, like I said earlier, like the biking thing, I was daily, I was doing 35 mile rides. Mm. And then on my days off, I was doing a 75 mile ride at least yeah. once out of my three days off. So, I mean, but that like, not normal people do that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's not normal for somebody to say, hey, I'm going to take off and go on my bike and do two plus hours, you know, mm-hmm. doing this this route. Because you go that far, guess what? You're going to have hills. People hate mm-hmm. riding bikes up hills, right? But that's yep. part of it. And once you get up that hill, you have that feeling of achievement. There's, a, there's, there's an accomplishment buried within that. Nonetheless, getting a little bit older now and like running even on a treadmill, it's starting to, it's starting to hurt a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. My knees aren't quite what they used to be and I still enjoy playing hockey and everything like that. But I had worked out one day with a, a coworker of mine and he really pushed me. It was a shoulder day and I thought yeah. that I kind of basically, I would start out my workouts like this. I would do like a three mile run on the treadmill. So automatically at least just shy of 30 minutes is already gobbled up right yeah and once you run you're not as strong as you once were you know what yeah. I mean? so you're, 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 your muscles are already oxygen deprived so you're not going to be as strong so i would go into these workouts with this idea like all right i pre-exhausted if you will and then my workouts became stagnant it was just like it was routine like i was not pushing mm-hmm. myself i was just like okay i know that i do x amount of plates on this machine and i will do 10 to 12 reps yeah. So when I trained with this other individual, like it was just, you know, I probably just did like five to 10 minutes just to warm up. And I saw him working out. I was like, Oh, what are you doing? Shoulders? Oh, shoulders and back. I've never trained like that before. In fact, especially the coming out of, you know, when the gyms and everything were working, opening back up, mm-hmm. going to these places, I was basically kind of got back to just doing like just full body workouts, you know what yeah. I mean? Just the interval train. And so that's another one. I was doing interval training and, and mm-hmm. hot, like hit was like a big thing. And yeah. I noticed differences, especially like in a cardio. So like doing cardio hit training pieces were just like, I, I noticed a difference just looking at myself in the mirror. You know what I mean? You start to lean up a little bit. And, and that's another thing. People don't realize like you don't necessarily have to do like high intensity, just full out. Like you're, you're going to go for a three mile run. You could actually just go for a walk and it's actually better for maintaining yeah. muscle mass than, than and better on your joints. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's what I've basically discovered. So I went with that individual and he was for most of the exercises, I was able to keep up, but he was doing military presses, just dumbbell over the head, military yeah. presses. I was like, wow, man, he's, and I was good for like the first set. 
you know, he, he didn't really go up and, and wait from where we were, but he, uh, he was, and granted he's younger, but I was like, fuck man. So another, like a couple of days go by or whatever. I'm at the gym again. I did less cardio. And then I went into doing the weight training again. I was like, wow, I'm fucking stronger. It's yeah. I, I felt, but and not only that, but the workouts were like maybe a half hour shorter, right? So it, yeah. it opens up another half hour of free time in your day. But just pushing myself then just kind of gave me the fire and it just like restored like this kind of passion for working out. And then yeah. it made me want to push. It became little goals and games with myself, right? Like, okay, I was able to, and, I, and this is one thing that I, I see in like the CrossFit community is pretty big. And they always talk about like their PR records, right? Their, their personal records, which is yeah. funny, PR, my PR record, my personal record, record. I don't know. Anyway, but they'll, they'll throw that term out there all the time. And I, I, I see it. I still think CrossFit is kind of cultish. I still do. It, I, it, yeah, I, get the, the, I get the camaraderie. And if it's a way to push one another. Yeah. And, and because the thing is like, I'll shit on that, right. I'll shit on CrossFit. But yeah. then like when I was into cycling, like I would go in like these group rides where everybody's pushing each other. Yeah. Right. And encouraging one another. And I feel mm -hmm. like that's essentially what they're doing in CrossFit. Yeah. But there's a certain vanity in CrossFit. I think that kind of, that's the part that I'm just like, really guys, like the weather gets nice. All of a sudden they got to work out with like the garage door open. Let yeah. The whole with sunglasses know, on. Like, yeah. And then even like, you, know, you go flipping over top tires down the street like you know back in the day I used to like run up a hill and they're like no we have to run up a hill with like a weighted vest well why don't you just run up the hill twice yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, 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 so yeah there, there's there's two there's two parts of me with you know that that look at crossfit so there's one part of me where i'm agreeing with what you're what you just said like it's almost like it almost becomes like a vanity type thing oh look at me like i'm 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 taping myself doing CrossFit at the fucking gym every day and posting it on Instagram and all oh, that other stuff. Thing. Oh God. Yeah. It's just, I, I don't know what, what's happening with that. To, so, like, nobody wants <sighs> to watch you. Do yeah. It, it's, it's, yeah. It's been so fucking irritating to see that when, when I went to a gym a couple of years ago, but that, then there's a side of me that also said, just like we were just saying, if, if, if that's a way for people to get out and to improve their physical fitness, then you know what, do whatever, do whatever makes you happy, do whatever, do whatever gets you out there to get fit, to get yourself healthier. Especially um, like now that the weather's starting to change, right? One of the things, I mean, I'm right. I dated somebody years ago and I think we went for like a bike ride or something like that. And like one of those, like the, those like kind of bike paths through the woods, you yeah. know, like the, the trails. Yeah. And I remember like going past, there was this woman, she was, <laughs> we'll go back to the beginning of the, we'll go back to the beginning and talking like 600 pound life. But this is somebody that's kind of taking the bull by the horns and they're like, okay, obviously they're going for, for a walk because they want to get in better shape. And this is basically the moment where I realized that I couldn't date this person anymore because like kind of like a comment that she made for like, like looking at you like, Oh God, look at that. Like. Yeah, but at least she's fucking doing something. Like, do that you know how lucky you are to like, you know what I mean? So find that as motivation. Like if this yeah. person could, you know, recognize that there's something that they want to make a change and get out there and actually do it, apply themselves to do it, then a hundred percent, I could find motivation in that person. Yep. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, and I, I, I always have that, that, the same thing. Like I'm looking at this person, like, you know, I'll, I would go, I'd be at the gym, I'd be in good shape. And then I'd see this, you know, uh, this, this, you know, this obese person in there. I'm like, Jesus, like, how, what the hell did you do to get yourself into that position? Like that, that's horrific. Well, but then like, you have to think about it. At least they're there trying to do something. And at least give them the credit for starting at, at some point and trying to and trying to improve what they're doing from there, you right. know. So yeah, just get out there and do whatever the hell it is that you could to get to get in shape. I should probably yeah. take my own advice and start <laughs> start getting my fat ass in gear. But I mean, that's a thing. Like, there's sometimes I think that I've fallen into that trap as well. I know, like, whenever there's the first of the year rolls around and you have all the oh, resolutioners that go in there and they're taken up and other times that. where people are just like taking selfies on these, on these treadmills. And, and I remember like looking at that and thinking to myself, I'm like, well, I know they're not going to be here long. So it's just something I have to deal with <laughs> for a little while. But meanwhile, <laughs> what I should have been thinking is that I hope these people stick with it. Yeah. I hope yeah, they stay. That's true. I hope they apply themselves. I hope they find, because Obviously, if they're there, like I said about this other woman, you know, going for a walk on this trail, you know, you're there because you recognize that there's something that you want to make a change in yourself and it starts with you. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and, and a lot of people can't do that. You know, I mean, that's the whole thing. Like it just, it, it goes, it, it could be something like that. It's just taking a chance. And I think that's like taking a chance and investing in yourself. Yeah. Agreed. You, you got to start somewhere. You do. You do. Yeah. And it's funny that you bring up like, you know, I know we touched on it already, but like women and like lifting weights because not everything, like I said, you're not always doing like a one rep map. Do you ever see like some of these chicks that do for us? You ever see this Danielle Spiel, Spiegel? You ever see her? No. This is somebody, obviously she hits a lot of weights, but like that's not, that's somebody, yeah, she does, she'll lift weights. Yeah. Like that's an achievable goal. Oh, well, maybe uh, without a doubt, I mean, maybe, maybe maybe not entirely, but <laughs> but the, like she, but that's the thing. Like she's she's in very good shape as a woman. I mean, yeah, she's muscular without a doubt, but it, to me, that doesn't look like anything that's like too too out of control. You know, like I, I, there's there's some women who do like these fitness competitions that are on anabolic steroids, and they look like dudes. Like is she she's pretty jacked up. I ain't gonna lie, oh, but, yeah, she, but she still, but she still looks feminine, and it's not a bad thing, you know. Yeah, I mean, look at even the people that are around her. You know, the thing yeah. is, like doing that kind of exercise. Let's see, what is that's a funny thing. Like you look at this and like, oh, here's her personal personal records. I I, I don't know what any of these workouts are. <laughs> deadlift 303 310 deadlift that's pretty impressive yeah was that one rep max i'm guessing it is it's crossfit after all i mean one of the things i think it's funny it's like she she advertises i don't know if it's a clothing company or it's just a clothing that has this slogan on it it says like chicks that eat or something like that oh yeah, and, and that, that, that's saying, another like, thing. It's okay. it's okay to eat, man. Like, well, stop uh, yeah. believing that this this whole like we talk about like this this Hollywood type that is taking these medications to try to achieve something that's unrealistic, and then what happens is they plant the seed, and then you know it's advertised, it's put on billboards, it's put in magazines, it's put on runways. You know, where it's like these women are meant to be 
these rails and it's just number one no no most men don't find that attractive no absolutely not nope i i I don't know of any guys that that find a woman that is is rail thin to be attractive at all no and it's not not like not like the complete opposite of that well i I want some chick that's really chunky no it's it's and that's the thing when it comes to human perception like you can say all you want that you know looking at somebody who's who's physically fit and being sexually attracted to them as being superficial but you could you could try to deny basic biology all you want but when you look at somebody and you and instantly you are sexually attracted to that person it's because in in your in your very prehistoric biology you see a potential mate who is who is absolutely fit to reproduce that's what it comes down to so when people say oh you're you're being superficial because you don't find fat people attractive or anything like that that has that it's it goes completely it's counter to to biology altogether so you, it, when you find when you see somebody who's physically fit they they tend to be more attractive to you naturally and right. the reason uh, why and, and that's not malnourished no exactly <laughs> exactly like you, you look at all these all these models on these runways there's I, I haven't found one of them that that is in the least bit attractive they're just they're way too skinny they just they just have like these ugly looks on them i don't know they're they're not attractive to me whatsoever Makes you wonder, like, if that's by design, right? Because you're telling that you see these people walking down the runway, and you're like, "Well, I'm not really interested in the girl." So, what is that? Uh, what is that thing she's wearing? Right, that sounds so bad. <laughs> Meanwhile, that, people are point. looking at it for the wrong reason. They're just like, "Oh my gosh, that's that's what beautiful is." Gotta be, you know. That's yeah. the thing. Like, it's funny because we've reached the point in society where, like, you know, we're having this conversation. Where we're saying that it's okay to be a little bit, you know, it's okay to not be real thin. But meanwhile, yeah. like society is pushing that kind of narrative where it's just like you know we have like plus size models and everything like that and that's cool i get it you know yeah but like i don't think that it's it's fair where somebody that is a plus size model and and i didn't even see we could probably pull it up but talking about like how i think last year sports illustrated had like a plus size model for the swimsuit issue the swimsuit edition and i think it was What's his name? Um, Who's guy? Canadian gets in all the trouble for saying Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, Andrew Tate used to work for the University of Toronto. Oh, um, Jordan, Jordan Peterson. Peterson. Yeah, he was saying something about how he's like that's just unhealthy. It's not attractive, and then he gets put. He's in trouble for it. But the thing is, like, there's <laughs> countless women who they have a kid and who maybe they are stay at home moms and good for them. You know, they're, they have, they're, they're lucky to be able to do that and they're going to the gym and they're, they're, they're getting like, they, they come out of a pregnancy in like the best shape of their life. And then they're proud of that, but they're not yeah. allowed to be proud of that. They have to be like, you know, you have to be humble when it comes to that. You have to be humble when it comes to putting in the work and like getting these results that you want to get. See, this is what I mean is there's like two sides to the coin. You know what I mean? I think it's great that you find the motivation to go and make the changes and you shouldn't be held back when you reach your goals. You should be able to champion your goals. You should be able to raise your hands and say, I fucking did it. I put in the work and I did it. But instead 
they put these pictures up and then you have all these people trying to shame them. So it's okay to shame somebody that put in the work and achieved goals. But if you want to make fun of the person that's lazy as shit and wants to sit on their couch eating ho-hos, then no, that's fat shaming. Like how is there a difference with that? Like, why is it okay for one, but not the other, especially when it goes to like promoting obesity, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Obesity has been, has been the bane of the American existence for a century, for centuries for for decades and all of a sudden it's like no you can't say anything against people that are obese that, that's fucking ridiculous it, it it's completely unhealthy i mean i'm i'm considered obese at this point and i see it. I, it's it's completely unacceptable <laughs> for me all right let's see here I, I sports illustrated plus size models let's see what this is all about by the way af- after we're done with this make sure you erase your browser history so your girlfriend doesn't look at, at this it's gonna be like, what is he looking at? Why are you looking at swimsuit models? <laughs> oh no, that. no. It's, why, are, it's, no th- why are you looking at plus size? <laughs> why are you looking at plus size? I don't see any of these that are that are well. That one, there's this. <laughs> this one is like I don't know. I don't feel like that. I, that that's not too outrageous. But uh, because it's more of it's a more conservative bathing suit. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I don't know. I don't see anything. Is this is this the one that he was complaining about? Ronda Rousey? No, I, I mean, I don't think that there's. I don't think that there's anything really. Like, that's not like a real plus person. No. She would just Perfect kick your ass. Painting. Interesting. Hmm. So that's not even a real bathing suit. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It's it, it it's funny how you can go and leave, but not the other. I don't know. There's a lot more we could cover with this, but I don't know. I think we we might have exhausted it for tonight. <laughs> the fat episode. All right. Anyway, this is something that we wanted to touch base on last week, and we didn't get a chance. Yeah. Um, Basically, I was able. Did you come up with? Did you get a chance to look through the article that I shared with you? It's talking about book banning. Um, Briefly, um, basically, to sum it up, this article is basically talking about a bunch of books that were deemed by dis- different school districts to be not suitable for use in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Now we'll go through some of these. I mean, and, and I'm not. I don't know. I'm not familiar with a lot of these books that are on here, but just in the brief synopsis, I could say like, all right, well, I don't, I don't, I don't see what the big problem is. The thing is, is that when, and you'll see it's the first book that's mentioned on it, um, To Kill a Mockingbird. It was one of my favorite books growing up. Um, Same with me. When it came to like required reading, I read that. I was like, wow, I actually, I actually enjoyed that. And I didn't want to read shit when I was a kid. Yeah. But I was like, wow, this is a good story, man. Like, mm-hmm. and a lot of it resonated. Like I, I know that in different parts of the country, there's a lot of different perspectives when it comes to race relations. I was fortunate enough to live growing up in it was a pretty small New England town, but it was pretty diverse. And I my mother just befriended this woman that worked in like a video store. And we were there all the time because there was no Netflix, right? You actually had to leave your house to find something if you wanted to rent and just walking around this small video store until you found something that you haven't watched 15 times already. Yeah. But 
like just the relationship that my mother had with her. She treated this this woman who was of color with is just like a normal person. And the fact that it was just like when I'm running around with my friends getting in trouble, my mother would be in there and she's looking out. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. At the time, I was like, ah, oh, she's gonna tell on me again. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, you realize later on she was just looking out. She wanted to make sure my my mother's son didn't fucking off himself. Yeah. <laughs> riding a skateboard <laughs> in the middle of the street. <laughs> But I understand like not everybody, never everybody is like that. I get that. But when I saw that To Kill a Mockingbird was something that was being looked at as being controversial and being removed from required reading, like I saw something, it was like, you know, it makes people uncomfortable. So, well, that's the point. It's to get people talking about it, you know, and that's, that's where we'll start off with this. Yeah. So, To Kill a Mockingbird, obviously, was just said, Harper Lee, 1960 novel. And I believe this might have been like the only, I don't know if this was the only published book by Harper Lee, but it was certainly the only one that was a Pulitzer Prize winner. But the novel, you know, long used in classrooms as, what is the word, parabole? Parable. I've never known how to say that word. Parable. Parable about American racism have forced various controversies over the decades. Last week, it was removed from a Washington state school district's required reading list, although not outright banned for its racial slurs and for the perception of Atticus Finch as a white savior. All right. Um, So it makes me wonder, all right, let's, let's actually take a step back because a lot of these books are being removed from schools for kind of woke, I mean, we we saw just from this, right? Atticus Fish is being portrayed as a white savior, racial slurs, right? Race of these words are hurtful. A lot of times you, you see these things, they'll get removed because whenever we talk about like feelings getting hurt, we always kind of like gravitate towards like it's a progressive decision yeah. to do that. It's, uh-huh. We can go as far as saying like the term woke, right? Yeah. Like the woke mob is calling for this. Yep. So we're moving all these books But they're supposed to be the party of like inclusion and point fingers saying everybody else is a fascist. Yeah. The, if you look up fascism in, in the dictionary, you'll probably <laughs> see right next to him a picture of like the Nazi party. And the Nazi party was famous for a few things, but right at the beginning, what were they famous for? Removing the book burning. books. Yeah. yeah. So you want to remove all these books because you don't want people talking about shit. It's, it's crazy. It, it's crazy when you really think about it as a collective whole. But there, but there's, and, and that's the thing, there, there's two sides of it. And it's, it's the extremes of both political ideologies. So, you, you know, you have in Washington state, which isn't exactly, you know, a, a bastion of, of concerned, conservative views, you know, they want to remove to kill a mockingbird. Um, you know, for for the racial slurs because they're afraid that it might hurt people of of minority races. We'll just say, for instance, yet when you look at Florida's issue and in the the laws that they're passing, they have certain counties that are basically banning all sorts of books that have to do with more progressive ideologies. So you have you have the pendulum swinging in both directions, right? And we'll see that as we we kind of go through this list yeah but like i said i mean this was something that was a book that was introduced i feel like into curriculum to get people talking about the uncomfortable fact that people are different and that you know it's okay to kind of cross boundaries to 
what word am I looking for? Cross boundaries to kind of learn from st- each other. Stick up for stick up. Well, I don't necessarily. I mean that as well, but also like it's okay to stick up for somebody just because they might be different from you. And it doesn't just apply yeah. to racial situations. I mean, yeah. right across the board. I mean, just there might be somebody in their class that's not in their little inner circle, but it's okay to reach out because that person might be right. You know what I mean? It's basically. Yeah. It's it's not race or excuse me, right and wrong isn't supposed to be defined on the the group of people that are mm-hmm. that are that are the subject of you know whatever the investigation will say or, or or the taboo is is involved in. It's it's you have to look past that and right is right yeah. and wrong is wrong. Agreed. Handmaid's Tale uh, adapted by what is it Amazon? I think so. Yeah dystopian story turns out united states into a christian theocracy called gilead where free yep. women are stripped of their name and impregnated against their will so if you've seen the show you know what it's about if you haven't seen the show you probably still know what it's about basically just about how women are used for procreation and that's pretty much it yeah sexual violence and criticism religion have made but... it right for a challenge in schools the original book its adaptation into a graphic novel and its sequel the testaments were pulled from the circulation that quickly restored in a Kansas school district in November. And, and, but this is the reason why, <laughs> this is the reason why you, you know, here in the United States, we have a separation of church and state because, you know, while completely progressive ideologies are no good because they lead you to things like communism, a theocracy, which is on the complete opposite end of the spectrum is no different from communism where you have absolute control yet it's shrouded with, with religion is religion is going to rule everything that we do in our lives, which is no different from what you're seeing in the Middle East with, with the Taliban and Al Qaeda. It's no different when you have theocracy or, or when, when you have a theocracy and you have religion that basically rules everything, not faith, not faith in the higher power, but religion, which is basically man's interpretation of that faith. And they set all these rules and boundaries and everything else this is the shit that you, that you get. So why would you ban something like this in order to teach people that it's okay to have faith, it's okay to practice your religion, but when your religion overrules your entire life and and religion, which is man-made, starts setting rules for everybody and that this is the only way you can live, then you've you've lost all freedoms. The United States is basically obsolete at that point. So yeah, a book like this should not be banned because it should be educating people that this is a pretty fucking bad idea if if, if we go down this road. Right. I mean, the thing is though, like I wonder when this list was being compiled, was it something that was like, are we talking about required reading? Or are we talking about just like in school libraries? Because I, I've never even, until the series was released by, I don't know, Amazon, Hulu, whoever released yeah. it. Um, I had never even heard of it. I didn't even know it was a book, honestly, until I saw this list. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you I, have a I, different perspective. I don't know. No, I, I, I never knew it was a book, to be honest. Right. I just thought it was some show right. that some fucked up person decided to put together on Amazon. I know, same, same. I was like, wow, this is a pretty good idea for, for a show, not, not for a, a living situation. Yeah. <laughs> All right, The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison. Morrison's first novel, The Bluest Eye, is shown, shown multiple times in the American Library Association in a list of challenged books. 
uh, follows Bacola Breedlove, a black girl with a tragic family history and a deep desire to have blue eyes. In January, the bluest eye was removed from a Missouri school district to keep children away from painful scenes about sexual abuse and incest, which in Morrison's hands becomes illustrious through the insidious psychological damage that racism deals to her characters. Uh, I, I don't see this just by this overview. Like I said, I mean, I, I've, I've read but maybe a couple books on this list. Um, so we're, we're, we're taking this cliff note kind of, uh, idea of that's taken, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's put up here to kind of make our decisions based on these. But like, I mean, what I'm getting from just this brief synopsis is that it's this, this woman who wants to, I mean, she wants to have blue eyes. So I'm, I'm, what I'm gathering is that she wants to be somebody else. She wants to live the life of somebody else. I mean, blue eyes are typically looked at as remember like the blonde haired blue eye. I mean, even, even Hitler, you know, he, he said like the perfect Aryan race, the Aryan race is blonde haired blue eyes. So, I mean, that's just what my take is, but I mean, I could see where scenes of sexual abuse and incest, especially, mm-hmm. um, maybe not suitable for school age children. I guess. No, no. And, that, and that's another thing that I think, uh, I, I think one thing that everybody can agree on is that, is that books should be age appropriate first and foremost. Um, I mean, yeah, you can have, uh, you know, a nudie magazine, I guess you could say, and say, well, this is based on heterosexual uh, relationships, but it's not really age appropriate for, you know, to be in a, in a middle school or even a high school for that matter. Right. It's just, it's, it's not appropriate. I think everybody can agree on something like that. But there are there are classic novels that have to do with violence that show, you know, the very worst part of humanity that teach you a lesson that this is what we should not be. And this, this kind of gives you the details of how bad humanity can be and why, but why wouldn't we use that as a teaching opportunity to say, yes, this makes you feel like shit. Good. That's what it's supposed to do because now you get this idea that it's wrong to do this. I read this book and it, 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 it gave me a traumatic experience from it because I don't ever want to see somebody going through something that bad because if you're, if you're never exposed to, to the worst of humanity, you never know what the limit is. And that, and that, and that's where people really start getting, they start wondering, you know, I, I I don't know what I can do that's so bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying, especially when it comes to age appropriate. And the thing is, I mean, if there's scenes of sexual abuse and incest, I mean, if you're under 18, if you're high school age, yeah. the, the most you've probably ever heard of that, I mean, sadly, sadly, is if you were a victim of it yourself. Yeah. Because it's not something that's taught in class. You're not talking about it, and it doesn't really come up. You know what I mean? It's not something that's that's taught in sex ed. You yeah. Know? So I mean, if you if so, it'll definitely bring up some terrible thoughts if you're being exposed to it in a book. I mean, yeah. especially if it's required reading. So I, I I could understand that one being yeah. pulled. Fallen Angels by Walter Dean Myers. Uh, let's see here. Follows a young black protagonist in this story. A 17-year-old Richie Perry leaves Harlem for Vietnam, where he faces the horror and 
banality of war. As with Meyer's book, Monsters, some have deemed it too violent and profane for students. That's war. I think it's war. And the thing is, is that I think this one, you know, I understand that, you know, what I just said about, you know, people not knowing about incest and, you know, terrible situations, sexual assault situations, unless they've probably been a victim of it. A lot of kids, especially in high school, are left without the option of college. Uh And even if they want, you know, if they want to go to college or even if they just want something to do after high school, I think it's important to educate people of that age of the horrors of war. Yep. It's a reality. It's a reality. You know, it's funny. It's like, it's an ugly reality. It it, it really is. I mean, I understand, you know, we want to protect our children, but at a certain age, they have to understand what happens out there, you know, that, You know, I mean, you go to a Memorial Day parade and every kid wants to hear, the, you know, the, the bands marching by. And then whenever the tanks drive by or the, you know, or the, the veterans and walking around passing out flags, I think it's important to understand what they actually went through yeah, and survived, essentially, if they're mm-hmm. there handing out flags. I mean, that's I don't think that something like that should be removed. No, no, not at all. I mean, especially, I mean, just picking this up, I mean, it's a 17 year old individual from from Harlem. And he leaves yeah. for Vietnam. I mean, Harlem was, he was probably dealing with certain situations there, leaving for Vietnam. And he's probably seeing a lot of similarities. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think any, anything having to do with war should be, should be removed from, at least from high school reading at the very least. Cause that, that really should, should teach you a lesson as well. Exactly. Heather has two mummies by, Leslie, <laughs> Leslie, Leslie Newman, Leslie, <laughs> Leslie. Yeah. Nineteen eighty nine picture book broke around by depicting exactly what its title says. A young girl named Heather has two lesbian mothers and realizes in the story that her mother's family is different from her schoolmates' family. She learns that why she doesn't have a father, and there are many different kinds of families. Newman's story might not feel what is that anodyne. Newman's story might feel anodyne today, but the fear it caused in the 90s when it was the ninth most challenged book of the decade hasn't evaded. Heather was taken off the shelves in Pennsylvania District in December. So this doesn't... Okay, so let's just share with the audience. This article that I'm pulling from was published in February 1st, 2022. So this caused a furor in the 90s because, I mean, the idea of same-sex marriage was still something that was looked at as, as taboo in some circles. And I mean, I guess in some circles it still is today, but I think it's much more widely accepted. But yeah, it wasn't taken off the shelves until December of 2021. I mean, then <laughs> that, that's when you're going to find this offensive. I yeah. mean, I feel like I, I, I think I, I mean, although maybe not. I mean, it's a quick picture book, so I find it very hard to believe that this would be something that was required reading. But I don't think anything's wrong with this. No, I mean, if it's. I, I could understand if you're if you're if you have, you know, obviously certain religious vantage points that you know tell Separation you that this is wrong. Separation of church and state, man. You already said it. Exactly, I agree. I mean, it, it it's one thing if it's just like you're saying, if it's required reading, okay, it's it could certainly be controversial. But if it's a book that's in the library that you know some kid is curious about and wants to read i I don't see anything wrong with that and it's kind of goes back to a conversation my wife and i had last week we literally talked for probably about an hour hour and a half about this whole thing and it's like you know if if there's if there's certain subjects that are controversial 
that parents don't want their kids being exposed to, then that conversation start, should start in the home. And they should really talk about why, why it's controversial and why they don't want them being exposed to something like that. Now, good, bad, or indifferent, every family has a right to raise their raise their 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 children the way the way they see fit even if it may seem a bit i don't know a bit uh ignorant or however way you you want to put it right so but i think uh, i mean you might feel differently than i but i feel like if this book is in I mean, it's a picture book, like I said, so I feel like it's nothing that's going to be presented in any school library later than, you know, middle school. Yeah. But maybe it's uh, somebody that would pick up this book would be somebody that's like, I, I identify with that. Yeah. You know, to see that something like that's represented and it's not like, especially at that age, it's like that coming of age. So, you know, you start to, to go to different events, you see different people's families and you see the way that their dynamic is and mm -hmm. to see that they are not represented, like what's wrong with my family? I have two moms and everybody's talking about their mom and their dad. Yeah. Like to see that, you know, it's not that uncommon. Look, there's a book about it. Yeah. You know, somebody other, somebody has the same experiences that you do and they, they have a book about it. So yeah. it's not like it's pick your head up. It's yeah. all right. Yep. So I don't feel, I feel like it's wrong to, to be removed yeah. unless it's Agreed. from like a, removed from like a you know like you were saying you know religious understands from like a private school and yeah remove it yeah. but you're a private school you can do whatever the fuck you want mouse by art spiegelman the truth of holocaust is both abstracted and explicitly rendered in the graphic memoir mouse which was banned by tennessee county last month by unanimous well spiegelman draws his jewish family and protagonists as as mice germans as cats and poles as pigs but this style doesn't fully blunt the hideousness of the victim's suffering. Some of the topics that got the book banned, such as Spiegelman's mother's suicide, are essential to rendering the effects of the war. Without them, it would be a different story entirely. All right, you're talking about the Holocaust, but you're referring to everybody as a species of animals? Yeah. I'm very confused by this as to why this would be something that was even focused on by... <laughs> But the funny thing is, is like in the opening paragraph of this whole thing, this is this title is actually referenced before anything else. Yeah. I've never heard of this book. You ever hear of this book? No. Am I an idiot? Like what? No, I've I've never heard of it. All right. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I have no idea. I, I can't even make a. I can't even comment on it. It makes no sense to me. Yeah. It's funny that this is this. Germans as cats, poles as pigs, protagonists as mice. This is. This is. This is just the, we're going to focus on this book. I don't know. Moving yeah. on. Speak by Laurie Halsey Anderson, 1999 book, adult book, excuse me, about a teenager dealing with the effects of sexual assault. But nobody, uh, soft pornography in a newspaper op-ed. All right. Uh, I could see this one being removed. Makes sense yeah. right off the, right, already, already. Let's move yeah. on. His Dark Materials, Pull, Pullman's award-winning. There's actually a, a, a show on this. Which one? His Dark um, Materials? Yeah, His Dark Materials on HBO with... um. Lin Manuel Miranda and um, who else is in it? James McAvoy. He was the the actor in the yeah, he was in, in that uh, movie Split. Yeah, great yep. actor. He was also oh, absolutely. Conversely, do you know what he did before that? Wanted. No, well, maybe, but oh yeah, was that the one with like the the gun? They're able to like shoot it. Yeah, and it curved the bullet. Curved the bullet. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, he was also in before it was a Showtime hit featuring 
what is that there? I can't even think of the guy's name. I'm shot right now. What's it with uh, Shameless? Why am I thinking? But I was trying to think of the name of the uh, the actor that was famous for Shameless. Yeah, that that guy, William H Macy. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Um, before it became a hit on Showtime, it was actually a hit in England. Really. And and he was actually on the cast. Uh, so what would be the Gallagher's in the, the Showtime version that was the family that he was a part of? Gotcha. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so huh. it's on HBO. Have you caught any of it or no? Uh, His Dark Materials? Yeah. Yeah, so I I mean, I don't watch it per se. My wife does. I, I catch I catch bits of it while she's watching it. Just, I, I don't I don't know how to describe it. It's just kind of like it almost seems like a like a fantasy like a fantasy type of movie. It's not like a, it's not like Lord of the Rings, which is like more medieval-ish. This one is kind of like medieval with technology mixed in with it. It's kind of interesting. But. All right. So this synopsis says uh, it's populated with talking armored polar bears, <laughs> soul-sucking <laughs> specters, and translucent angels. But ultimately, it's about a war on adolescence. The story's villains, Illifate, excuse me, the story's villains, Illifil, Ill, all, excuse me, all, of, let me just start that over. The story's villains, all affiliated with an allegorical version of the Catholic Church, are motivated by a perverse desire to keep children innocent, even by essentially lobotomizing them. Well, that's, things went off the rails there. In contrast, the heroes <laughs> celebrate knowledge and fight to overthrow the religious hierarchy threatening their world. Perhaps unsurprisingly, the books were criticized for their supposed anti-Christian themes and plot lines involving witchcrafts. So it sounds like it's a series. Yeah. Uh, well, it says trilogy. So I feel like, you know, just like something like uh, Lord of the Rings or something like that. But it's funny because, like you said, separation of church and state. And I, I feel like the main reason this got pulled is because of anti-Christian themes and just the fact that it involved witchcraft. I mean, this is something that we talked about last week, right? When we were talking about Sam Smith and his yeah. performance at like the Brits and at the Grammys and just because he basically wanted to pretend to be a devil or whatever. And it was like, look at this, like he was devil worshiping. Meanwhile, it's a top hat with horns and how ridiculous <laughs> did that look? But yeah, that's what we're worried about. Yeah, it, this kind of reminds me of Harry Potter when those books came out back in the, was it mid 90s? Mm hmm. It, same thing like all these christian groups were like up, up at arms about it and because it, it was promoting witchcraft and all that other stuff but i think what i started i listened to the first two episodes of that of that new podcast about about um the hell's her name jr tolkien jr tolkien yeah the the author of, mm -hmm. of yeah. harry potter and it, it was almost like symbolic of her not necessarily of her childhood, but more so of her in her early 20s when she lost her mom. She got into an abusive relationship, had her daughter, moved from, from England to Portugal, then from Portugal to Scotland. It, it kind of like had to do with that. So it was more symbolic of that. But like all these religious groups like took it as being as being like literal witchcraft and, and trying to get kids into witchcraft. It's like, no, dude, it's a story about kids. Dude, I mean, it's Hogwarts. I mean, and it's a this fantasy is, world. Like, but, but, and, but this is this is my issue with these with these far right groups that, you know, that are you know, 
basically don't want anything that strays away from from their religion that again by the way is 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 all put together by men uh you know if if you can't see the fantasy in something if you can't see the the um the creativity in something and and look at the symbolism in something then you're you're completely brainwashed i mean if you can't think for yourself and your religion has to do all the thinking for you you might want to rethink your life to be quite honest right and this is just another example like i was just saying about the other book and just if it's a private school i could understand it being questionable i guess if you want it to be i mean i, I don't really see it as being questionable yeah. at all i mean it seems like it's just something that's just fantasy and yeah and i, I think if anything i think you should probably teach your kids that there's a, a difference between the fantasy world and reality and it's okay yeah. to talk about it because it gets you to talk about it and it's keeping it caged up is not going to get the message across yeah Looking for Alaska, the teenagers at Green's Alabama boarding school drink, smoke, swear, and fumble their way through life. These actions have made the novel controversial for more than a decade. Green, whose later book, The Fault in Our Stars, was hugely popular, has repeatedly defended it, including what he calls it his, his intentionally un, or excuse me, massive, massively unerotic oral sex scene. Okay. Um, the teenagers at a boarding school that drink, smoke, and swear, and like that seems like it's just any... <laughs> It's just like par for the course. That's just like, okay, life. All right. I mean, sorry to those that are looking to pull this book, but uh, maybe you had a very sheltered life, but these things actually happen. So it's not like, I don't know, trying to to hide people from realities that exist elsewhere is is, uh, unnecessarily to to remove them. But massively unerotic oral sex scene, I, I... yeah, maybe another one of those things age appropriate. Between the world and me, this epistolary book by the famed Atlantic writer reflects on racism's long shadow. Cote's frank assessment of the effects of centuries of racial violence on contemporary Black Americans has been attacked on some schools. Between the world and me, and Cote's, we were eight years on power in power. Excuse me, are also included on Representative Cruz's list of books that might make students feel discomfort, guilt, anguish, and other form of psychological distress because of their race or sex. It sounds like this is one of those books that kind of makes you have uncomfortable conversations. And I think that those books should never be removed. Mm-hmm. This goes back to To Kill a Mockingbird. I mean, mm-hmm. The Hate You Give. Thomas' debut young adult novel was a bestseller and quickly adapted into a film. Never heard of it, but okay. Star, I've, I've heard of it. I think have the you? movie... Yeah. Okay. Star, a black teenager, witnesses a white police officer kill her friend at a traffic stop while navigating her grief. She gradually becomes a public advocate for racial justice. The Hate You Give has been challenged for its profanity and depiction of drug dealing, but most vigorously for its thematic connection to the Black Lives Matter movement. A South Carolina police union objected to its inclusion in a high school reading list, calling it almost an indoctrination of distrust of police. Well, I feel like this is one that you definitely have to read before you kind of make a judgment call on because yeah, you can it depends, see a lot of depends on the content, are, right? Because I mean, just getting you know getting a, a what's a six or seven line snippet of it doesn't really give you the full right. There's a lot of moving pieces and something like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can't just say like, and that's the funny thing, right? Like you put Black Lives Matter movement in it, and and there's some people who are just like, well, fuck that movement. Yeah. <laughs> even though it's very corrupt. 
yeah. but regardless i mean the, people just look at it just like it's like this profane thing and i could understand like it's it's funny because you see the two sides of the black lives matter movement is a very yeah. like it's a progressive kind of idea and then you have the south carolina police union which would probably i would imagine to be a very conservative group yeah. um objected to it to the close so I, I get both sides of the coin um but like uh-huh. i said that's something that really needs to be read prior to making a snap judgment gender yeah. queer by maya kobabi through illustrations and tender writing this graphic memoir okay follows the non-binary author's journey of self-discovery it's exploration of sexuality and gender especially in illustration illustrations depicting oral sex made its inclusion in the school libraries a prime target for criticism last year i no wonder why shit. <laughs> all right i think that one's pretty cut and dry through the illustrations <laughs> once it said illustrations i'm like all right and then illustrations depicting oral sex so somebody thought that maybe it was a good idea in the first place to introduce a a, a book of a bunch of pictures of basically dudes yeah. blowing each other johnny <laughs> <laughs> oh, what are you reading i don't know this book with two dudes blowing each other it's just yeah. like that book if anything it should be removed from the library because it's going to get defaced <laughs> like yeah. could you imagine a bunch of teenage boys getting a hold in that book yeah God. Uh, in the dream house, uh, Machado's captivating experimental memoir details her abusive relationship with another woman, her eventual escape from it at a March 2021 board school board meeting in Linder, Texas. A parent read a sex scene from the book aloud to help kids uh, and held up a pink dildo as part of an effort to demand its <laughs> removal from a book club. Boy, she went in. Uh, in December, the district removed the book permanently because they probably because they just didn't want this woman showing up with her pink dildo again to try to. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what's worse, the parent showing up with a pink dildo or the book itself. Yeah, I mean, maybe the fucking right. parent with the pink dildo should be removed from the school instead of the book. I think at some point she probably was, but a sex scene and a book aloud. All right, so I think if she's going to read this scene aloud, that there's going to be. It's going to be marginal. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, initially the way this starts out, I think it's like somebody that's detailing her abusive relationship with another woman. I feel like yeah. the, the sexuality portion of it is kind of irrelevant. I think the the message of describing actually what an abusive relationship is, especially at that age, because people are learning, you know, kids are learning like before it gets to a point where they need to be living with somebody and getting thrown downstairs, mm-hmm. like learn what an abuse, this is what's not okay. Because a lot of parents, they don't have that conversation, believe it or not. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, that, that conversation never happened with me and my parents. No, I mean, but we're dudes. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. But I would have loved to sat in that PTO where, a sex scene is getting read in the middle of it with a pink dildo. <laughs> Do you think the, the microphone fuck? was actually the, the pink dildo? Uh, was she using the pink dildo as a as a microphone? She grabbed the wrong one. She grabbed the mic. <laughs> oh, fuck. oh, God. She had terrible. the wrong button. The thing just started vibrating. Well, it doesn't say there was a vibrator. It was just a dildo. So imagine she like, didn't run it through the dishwasher or something like that before she went. It fucking stinks. 
Especially, dude, imagine like being in that PTO before she even starts and like you're sitting around and you're like, it fucking stinks in here. What the fuck is happening? Like you lean into your wife. You're like, do you smell that? Is it just me? And then like 20 minutes later, fucking Karen gets up on the mic and she pulls out her pink dildo. You're like, there it is. Knew it. <laughs> oh, God. There's the oh, air boys. freshener. <laughs> yeah. Just bunch of pine trees hanging out in the rearview mirror all boys aren't blue the essays in this collection take apart and examine black masculinity queer sexuality and johnson's own life the book has been removed from the school libraries in multiple states and lambasted as sexually explicit which he called disingenuous for multiple reasons uh, i feel like that's another one you'd have to actually take a look through to see what it is yeah. yep agreed and that's it folks yeah, so that's um, that's um, for this Atlantic article, and I feel like this, this is seems to be geared mostly at more conservative groups trying to ban bucks, which I mean, the Atlantic isn't exactly known to be a conservative newspaper, from at the very least. Um, but Florida seems to be making the headlines again, not necessarily for some sort of Florida man headline but more so for book banning in in many of the different counties there so um you know there's a whole thing with uh ron DeSantis and banning books in the state of florida and there's been headlines about like Anne frank being removed from florida schools and the the so from what i read the the state of florida itself the department of education hasn't banned any particular books but they did put through legislation basically leaving up to local municipalities and counties to make the call on on banning certain books without any real without any real discussion behind it. and i think this is probably some of the controversy behind what's going on kind of what i don't want to say which initiated all this cuz book banning really started before the whole Ron DeSantis thing occurred but um it was just kind of interesting cuz it seems like I think it's Duval County in Florida seems to be at the top of the list for banning books. And if you look at the type of books that they're banning, it's almost like books that are, that are like books that like portray far right ideologies as being bad. Like those are the ones that the county's trying to ban, mm -hmm. which doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Like for instance, like Anne Frank if I remember correctly, or the, the, what is it? The diary of Anne Frank. Yeah. That's one that's been, that's been removed from that school system. And you have to ask yourself, well, why? Like what about Anne Frank and world war two? And the fact that she was, you know, came from a Jewish family and were persecuted by the Nazis. Like, what about that? Do you want to ban? Why, why is that something that you don't want people to really to explore? Why don't you want kids to explore that? Well, this begs the question, I mean, is it something that's being removed from required reading or is it something that's being removed from libraries? I think being removed because, from libraries. I mean, because there's some books like later on in life I read, like Catcher in the Rye is one, The Diary of Anne Frank is another one I read later in life, and especially The Diary of Anne Frank, and I mean, you could have a different opinion of it, and I'd love to hear it, but after reading it as a later adult... I didn't get it. I mean, not that I didn't get it, but I didn't understand why this is something that would be required reading. 
I mean, I think it's interesting to hear the perspective of somebody that's in, in hiding, right. And what's going on around her, maybe like kind of get a perspective of like what she, but a lot of, a lot of the entries were just basically, you know, talking about, you know, this other family that lived there and basically what everybody's doing, but the thoughts of like a young kid, I, 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 I don't know. Like, what, why, why are you required to like read what the the thoughts of another young girl are? I mean, not that I don't think it should be available. I think it should be introduced, but I don't think that it should be something that's like required. Maybe. Mm. I don't know. I, I just feel like later in life I read it and it wasn't as powerful as I thought that it would have been. I I'll be honest. I never I never read it. Well, this thing I it wasn't I. I the school that I went to in high school, like there was only a couple books and To Kill a Mockingbird was one of them that I, that I was required to read. Um, yeah. Uncle Tom's Cabin I read on my own. Um, that was something like you had to take a, it was like a list of books that were kind of, we didn't have enough time to do required reading basically, but that was one of them. Um, so I knew that a lot of people had been required to read the diary of Anne Frank. So it's something that I wanted to read later and I just didn't understand like why it was required reading for some. Uh-huh. That and Catcher in the Rye. There's another one. I mean, because basically the whole book, after reading, I was like, this was fucking terrible. <laughs> what I, I, I've always heard of it. I never read it either. What the hell is Catcher in the Rye about? So this kid, he's in like a private school. And the whole book is about him kind of like escaping and going to New York City. And he's he's underage. He's not 21, but he's going into bars. And everybody, like the, the, the whole thing with the book is everybody's a phony. Everybody's a phony. But really the phony was him. I don't know. Mm. You had to read a whole book to fucking see that. I don't know. Like everybody that everybody that he encountered was fake, essentially. But meanwhile, he was pretending to be somebody that he wasn't the entire time. Like mm. I don't know. Maybe it's trying to get people to take like kind of a introspective look at themselves. I mm. guess maybe. I don't know. That's the only thing that I could dig up. But even that's a fake. stretch. Yeah, don't be fake. I mean, be real to you. be real to yourself. I don't know. I, I really I don't know, but it's funny. Like some of these books you read later on in life, and like *To Kill a Mockingbird* was one that I read again later in life, and I was like, "This uh-huh. was fucking good." Even then, and I ended up going to see the play in New York City maybe a year ago with uh, Jeff Daniels played Atticus Finch, and it was crazy because like one of the reasons that we saw that it got banned is the use of racial slurs, and they say them, and it's crazy because it's part of the storyline, right? I mean, yeah. they're trying to show a racist South. And it was just, it was crazy. Like it was powerful in the scene where, um, you're familiar with the story. Uh, it's, kill it's probably been a while. Yeah. 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 So, no, I, I thought that was one of the, I remember after we read it, we saw the movie that came out, I think probably in the fifties or sixties. Yes. With Gregory it. Peck. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, I'll tell you what, the girl that played scout was phenomenal in the play. Oh yeah. But, there's scene where basically she's on uh, has like the, the the guy's daughter the one that is allegedly quote unquote got raped yeah when they got her on stage and then like her drunk uncle like gets up and he just starts cursing out the uh well, I'm drawing a blank on the name of the the accused but he he's black and he yeah. gets called in 1930s fashion uh uh-huh. end bomb but they don't call it an end bomb they say it and it's in yeah. a it's in a theater packed with 
4,000 people and uh-huh. it was powerful. We're like looking around, like it's crazy because that word is just not, I mean, you hear it in rap songs, but it's not really used in day-to-day conversation. Yeah. Not in, with, in my circles anyway. I mean, I'm sure there are, but to hear it, it like yelled in, in part of the scene where somebody's actually being called that and they're being called that for no reason other than the fact that they are of that color. Yeah. Because he didn't, he didn't carry on with that woman, but it's crazy, yeah. but it was a great play. Yeah. And it's just, it's a, it's a, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great, it's a great story just basically of, of injustice and overcoming that injustice. And at the end you see the, you know, the, the payback, not necessarily the payback, but you see the, the real justice that comes through, I guess you could say yeah. uh, in, in the very, at the very end of the story. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's, it, I, I don't know. A lot of these, a lot of these books that are that are supposedly being banned have to do with portrayal of, of how, of basically of racism, and how white people basically mistreated black people for years and years and years. And and you have some of these far right groups that are uncomfortable with this idea. Well, it's like, why? Why are you uncomfortable with it? Um, it should make you feel uncomfortable, but you should also be using it as a learning opportunity. That's that's the whole point of of stuff like this is to educate yourself and your children on situation like this and what happened, whether it's fiction or fact, you should be learning from this. And this is how you get an opportunity to do that. But for you to to say, oh, I'm, I, I want to pull this book because it makes me feel uncomfortable. Was well, it because you actually agree with the idea that you that you want to be, you know, unjust to a certain group of people? Is that why? Does it, is it a reflection on yourself that it's making you look poorly for whatever reason <clears throat> because you agree with that ideology? It, it, that's that's no excuse to really you know to to pull it away from people who actually want to learn about what happened and what's how what the wrong thing is and and how you treat people right it's just i i don't know it's crazy it's absolutely crazy but i think the one thing that everybody could agree with is that you know when it comes to when it comes to like sexually explicit content that really has no place in 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 schools. I don't mean like subtle sexually explicit things, but outright graphic stuff. That's really not meant for for anything less than eighteen years of age. That shouldn't be in, in any particular schools. But like something like you know, so and so has two mommies or whatever. And unless it's sexually explicit. Just right. keep it in the I, damn library. I libraries. completely understand where yeah. you're coming from. I mean, I, but it seems like you're giving a, well, like what you're saying is, you know, I mean, when it's painting a graphic picture, I mean, let's face it, like Playboy magazines and Hustler magazines, just like things of that nature, you're supposed to be 18 years of age or older to, to purchase something like that. So I think exactly. the idea that we're going to spoon feed images and in, in situation, sexual situations like that to somebody that is underage in a school system, I mm-hmm. think is, is very inappropriate. Now, however, if it's something that's meant to inspire a conversation that might be a little tough to 
it might be a little uncomfortable. Um, I, I don't think that there's that's just cause to remove something from being, you know, at, at least at the very least introduced in yeah. a school setting because sometimes conversations that need to be had are, are tough to initiate. Yeah. Or, or you might not even just think of it. You know what I mean? I mean, there wasn't a conversation that my parents had for me, like as a, as a, as a white male, like about racism, like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's just something like I was never exposed to treating anybody any differently. So that's how I learned. Mm -hmm. I didn't, there wasn't a conversation that was had like you, you, you better be nice to, to people that don't look like you. Like that just never needed to take place. But, yeah. um, but some situations like it's, it's a, like, I don't know. I, some people need to have that conversation. Yeah. Some people need to be introduced to being uncomfortable mm -hmm. and just think of other things down the line. I mean, other scenarios or situations where you might be involved, where you might have to be uncomfortable. And this is just like kind of, you revert back to that as having like, okay, this is a moment where I was uncomfortable and this is what I was able to, to build from. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But I know we had a bunch of other things that we were talking about uh, adding to this this edition, yeah. but we're we're coming up on two hours here, so I think we're <laughs> yeah. I think we might have overstayed our welcome. <laughs> I mean, we we got some pretty good pretty good topics in terms of weight loss and controversies behind that, and banning books and the controversies behind that. So many controversies. Mm -hmm. But remember. When there's books that are involved, you should be able to have the choice whether you want to read it or not. Exactly. Questions, yeah. comments, folks. Ocho in the Civ at Yahoo.com. Tell us what you think of uh, these topics we talked about tonight. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. Love to hear it. Mm-hmm. Out, folks. Peace out. Mm. You can get with this or you can get with that. You can get with this or you can get with that.